Sorry, I expected uh, some kind of like some kind of testimonies time or something like that. Because you know you might have expected my preaching to be short, so you might be like, let's hear a few testimonies or something first. But you know. Okay. So um, if you could all turn your Bibles, please, to Psalms sixty-three, verse five. Psalm sixty-three, verse five. Psalm 63, verse 5, it says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. So this is our verse for tonight. I'm just going to pray before I begin. <clears throat> Lord, um, thank you, God, just for gathering us together again this evening. Lord, um, I praise you for just the opportunity to preach. Lord, uh, you know, God, I'm totally unworthy, Lord, to declare your word. And, Lord, um, Lord, I have not lived, Lord, uh, a life uh, worthy, God, to be in the pulpit, Lord, and and to preach your word, Lord, as men of old have done. Lord, but I just pray that by your grace that you will bless this evening, and Lord, that you will just glorify yourself, God, and magnify yourself, Lord, and um, God, just that we be given that desire, God, to seek you, Lord, and to do your will, Lord, as um, as as David had the same desire, Lord, in Psalm 63. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, tonight I want to speak about three steps to spiritual satisfaction. Three steps to spiritual satisfaction. So, we know that the Christian life is supposed to be a life of joy and fulfillment. But even for us Bible reading, church going people, the Christian life can sometimes become just a routine. You know, when there's little excitement and there's nothing supernatural going on in your life and all you're doing is filling up with notepads, with sermon notes, uh, and maybe you kind of forget the main reason for your hard work. So what's the solution when there's no real spiritual satisfaction? Well, David says here in our verse, he says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. So he says, My soul shall be satisfied, it's fulfilled or joyful. Uh, it's one thing for the belly to be filled after you know a nice meal, a good meal, but how much greater it is for the soul, which is our very being, to be satisfied, to be fulfilled. So that's what we really all need. <clears throat> so what exactly was it that would make David so joyful and so fulfilled and so satisfied in life? And what do we need to, uh, to do in order to experience the same power and fulfillment in our lives today? So we're going to start here in verse 1 and we're going to go to verse 5 and find out you know, the steps uh, that David took uh, to get to this point of spiritual satisfaction. So and I don't want to make it sound simple. Like, you know, three steps to spiritual satisfaction. Sounds like it's uh, maybe like an advert to like three steps to losing weight or something like that. But uh, it's not that simple. Three steps to spiritual satisfaction. Obviously, these things are going to take a lot of work uh, and a lot of time, perhaps. But these are the three steps to spiritual, to spiritual satisfaction that I see from this chapter. So step one, seek God. Step one, seek God. So he says in verse one, Psalm 63, verse one, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So the first thing we need to focus on is one of the central principles of our salvation. So the greatest thing about salvation is not that we get to escape hell. You know, It's not that we get to be part of a church, uh, and it's not even that we get to you know, wear white robes and reign with Christ. The greatest thing about our salvation is that we can know God. Uh, John 17.3 says, And this is life eternal, 
that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Uh, and even the famous verse that we often quote, John 14, 6, talks about salvation primar- primarily as a coming to the Father. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in Matthew 11, Jesus speaks about salvation as the person of God being personally revealed to men. Matthew 11:27, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So salvation is talked about there as a revelation of God uh, by the Son. So oftentimes we seek for spiritual satisfaction in other things pertaining to our salvation, and we lose the, uh, the focus of our main source of salvation, our satisfaction, which is God himself. Uh, and seeking satisfaction in the person of God is what this Psalm 63 is all about. So step one, seek God. Um, so the introduction to the Psalm, uh, you know, I assume all Bibles have this, where it says, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So you all have that, yeah? Yeah, at the start, so. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So now we can tell from this introduction that this Psalm was most likely written when David was on the run from Absalom. So like, uh, if you've been turning off a Bible study, on Wednesdays, it kind of ties in nicely. So we're kind of just at that point where he's fleeing from Absalom and he's, he's in the wilderness, he's in the desert of Judah. So David's on the run, he's sleeping rough, but his mind is more focused on his spiritual needs and his physical needs. So this is what he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So David begins his prayer with the word, O. So the O displays inward desperation, uh, earnestness or a striving and there's going to be no spiritual satisfaction without this kind of desperation first uh, and David makes th- that commitment early will I seek thee <clears throat> so early here in the practical sense means the early hours of the morning of course you know when the world sleeps in the stillness of the morning David seeks God and if we're going to truly attain spiritual satisfaction we need to start by seeking God early consistently and regularly so now why would the early morning be the best time to seek the Lord Anybody have any idea? Yeah? Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Any other ideas? Was it? It's quiet, yeah. Yeah, so if you try it, and I know by experience, the early morning, I actually woke up like a couple of nights ago in the middle of the night. So when it's still there, and there's like total silence, and there's no TV, and there's no radio on, and there's no traffic outside, and there's nobody walking around the house... It's, 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 that, it's that point when spiritual realities like heaven and hell, life and death, you know, my purpose uh, and, and God, the spiritual uh, reality of God kind of hits you so much more in, that, in those hours of darkness when there's no distractions, uh, in that silence. And throughout the Bible, God blesses when men give him what's first. For example, the first fruits of the increase was given to the Lord in the Old Testament. The firstborn, or the beginning of one's strength, was, given, was dedicated to the Lord. Uh, and the first day of the week, Christians came together to worship, like we do today. So if we're going to seek God truly, then we need to give him first place every day at the beginning of the day. And it demonstrates the extent of our devotion to reach out to him. Uh, as Eileen says, if we're willing to shun the carnal for the spiritual, and we're willing to shun extra time in bed to plead with God for his blessing each day. Uh, so a serious student, uh, <clears throat> you know, doing the leave and start doing some college exam or something, he might shun extra time in bed to study or to cram before an exam, or a photographer like Graham here, uh, he might shun extra time in bed to pursue things like a good photograph of the dawn or, you know, the morning mists. And a Christian shuns extra time 
in bed uh, to pursue God and spiritual satisfaction. This is what David's talking about here. So I just want to zone in on the word seek in verse 1. O God, he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. So the path towards spiritual satisfaction involves seeking. Um, So that's not a one-minute prayer. It's not a half-hearted effort, but something like a labor, a struggle against your thoughts, your flesh, your sins, uh, a wrestling against every part of you that just wants to cease from prayer. You know, it's a diligent seeking. So God is to be sought if we are to reach any kind of spiritual satisfaction or power in our lives. So these days, you know, we're used to instant messages. You know, things like microwaves, electric fires, just turn on the fire, just turn a switch and the fire is lit. lit. Like, you don't have to get coal or, like, you know, fire logs or any that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we're used to super fast broadband. Like, gone are the days you used to use dial-up internet. We're used to, like, you know, you have a question about anything. Basically, just get out your phone, Google the answer. Like, you have the answer, like, in a, you know, within five seconds. And even fast food. We're used, we're used to all these fast uh, things, you know, that we get instantly. But God doesn't work like that. We must seek. Uh, so I just looked up the dif- dictionary definition for the word seek. And number one is to go in search or quest of, to look for, to search for by going from place to place. Uh, two, to inquire for, to ask for, to solicit, to endeavor to find or gain by any means. And the kind of seeking that the Bible is talking about is a kind of seeking that doesn't involve actually physically going anywhere or physically looking anywhere. Uh, <clears throat> but it's a whole different kind of seeking that you know we're probably not very familiar with. David is talking about going on a spiritual quest, a spiritual journey, a spiritual looking, a spiritual grasping, a spiritual seeking after God. So, and sadly, you know, our spiritual our spiritual quest after a greater experience with God in this life is often hindered by laziness and unbelief. You know, these days. So usually, the minute we feel bored or tired or like nothing's happening, you know, we tend to give up on you know, devotional prayer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But true seeking is to seek until we find uh, what we're seeking for. So a famous passage in Jeremiah, if you want to turn there, maybe keep your fingers in Psalm 63. We'll come back to that. Jeremiah 29. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29 and verse 12. So Jeremiah 29, verse 12, it says, uh, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, so there's our word seek again, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So that's what true seeking is, with all your heart. That means all your effort, all your desire. Uh, We all know the game of hide and seek. You know, you're all familiar with the game of hide and go seek. Someone comes to like 30 and then goes looking for the other person until he finds them. So that's, that's the game of hide and go seek. So that's a good use of the word seek. So in the same way God is to be sought, it's not just the case of a, a quick prayer and I'm out of here. Um, <clears throat> my favorite book, apart from the Bible that I've read recently, is Ian Bowne's Power Through Prayer. And uh, Actually, this is from a different book, sorry. But uh, in another book, Purpose in Prayer, he says this, Heaven is too busy to listen to half-hearted prayers or to respond to pop calls. So let's look down at verse 8 of Psalm 63. It kind of ties in. 
Psalm 63 and verse 8. So he says, <clears throat> My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. So my soul followeth hard after thee. So David's talking about his walk with God as if it's a pursuit. Um, so, you know, he's not just waiting around, waiting for God to do something. He's pursuing, pursuing after God, like a you know runner in a race pursues the person in front of him. So he's focused, you know, he's intent. He's not giving up, he's not looking back. And that's true seeking. So, three steps of spiritual satisfaction, and that's number one. Seek God. <clears throat> so, number one, seek God. And number two, uh, step two, desire God. So, let's read the verse again. Uh, Psalm 63, verse one. So, he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So David says, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So one of the things that we need to admit here is that spiritual satisfaction um, and spiritual renewal is impossible without some kind of discontentment. You know, we need, to, we need first to be discontent for or where we are at at present. So we know a lot about how we should be content. You know, we know that famous verse in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 13.5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Uh, but is the Bible talking about being content with you know, where we're at physically or where we're at spiritually in that verse? Physically, yeah, physically. So uh, it's talking about physical things. Be content with what you have physically. Like, you know, if you just, all you have is uh, food and raiment, you should be content. Um, but we're not supposed to be content with, with our spiritual uh, circumstances, you know. Even Paul wasn't content with his spiritual state. Uh, if we go, turn to Philippians chapter 3, you can see this. So I'll keep your finger in Psalm 63. Go to Philippians chapter 3, and verse 13. <clears throat> so yeah, we're supposed to be content with our physical um, circumstances, our physical possessions, but we're not supposed to be content with our spiritual uh, state, or where we're at spiritually. This is what Paul says, Remember Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, possibly the greatest. Uh, you know, he just lived a full Christian life. And this is what he says in Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which, which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So does that sound like he's content with where he's at or that he wants to go further? He wants to go further in his relationship with God. So, and listen to the discontentment in David's words here in Psalm 63, if you want to flip back. Psalm 63, verse 1 again. Uh, he says, <clears throat> My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So does that sound like a man that's spiritually uh, content with where he's at? Or does he want to go deeper? He wants to go further. So, uh, he's as discontented, in fact, as a dying man in the desert searching for water. That's how discontented he is. So John Wesley comments on this mention of David's flesh longing for God. You know, we we kind of often experience our souls longing for God, but David says even his flesh longeth for God. So he says, the desire of my soul is so vehement that my very body feels the effects of it. Um, 
And that's the kind of desire we need for, we need for God before he enriches us. So what if the world uh, doesn't seem to us as a dry and thirsty land that makes us thirsty for God, you know? Um, what if we're content with just uh, the ordinary Christian life, you know? Uh, a powerless prayer life or just not experiencing God's presence. What if we're content with that? Well, if we're content with that, it's probably the case that we've filled up our lives with too many fancy things that aren't God. You know, it's just like if you drink a lot of Coke and Fanta and chocolate milk and someone offers you a drink of water, you're probably not going to be very thirsty, you know, because you're filled yourself with all the chocolate milk. Uh, but if you throw out all the Coke and Fanta and chocolate milk and you're dehydrated and ready to faint someday, then you're going to be glad for that cup of water, you know. Uh, so when we're not thirsty for God, then I think we need to throw out all the fancy schmancy stuff that's filled up our lives, clogged up our lives and, and taken away our desire for God. You know, we need to fast from these things until we realize that we need God. So, um, <clears throat> if we look at our verse again, Psalm 63, 1. Uh, o God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So David makes mention that he's in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So he's talking about his physical circumstances there. He's literally in a desert, you know. Uh, he's in a place of turmoil in his life. He's hiding out in the desert of Judah. He's got no house to go to. He's got no security of life. He knows that his life is threatened by Absalom, his son. And he's even stuck for the basic necessities of life like water. You know, but what does he say? You know, he doesn't say, my soul thirsted for water. Uh, he doesn't say, my soul thirsted for safety, for comforts, for family, for home. You know, he doesn't say that. He says, my soul thirsted for thee, for God. So we all have great desires in our lives like David did, you know. You know, you might desire a better health, or you might desire a better job, you might desire a better family, you might desire a better home, whatever it is. But those things aren't going to make you satisfied. You know, it's, 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 it's the thirst for God that will make you satisfied. So our first and most intense desire needs to be for God's presence in our lives. You know, David, David didn't think about his need for water, even in a parched, hot, hot desert. Uh, you know, he just wanted to enter God's presence. Uh, so this is another comment on this verse. It says this, uh, David searches for something more than physical refreshment and the satisfaction of physical appetite. He has an inward appetite for something greater still. The dry, arid, scorching desert that David finds himself in is the perfect picture of the soul of a saint lacking fellowship with God. Weak, thirsty, ready to faint, tired, jaded, too weary to think, too despairing to see the promises afar off, too worn out to feel joy or intense purpose. But the satisfaction of water in such a dry desert place also provides us with an excellent picture of the refreshing, overflowing fulfillment that comes to us when our walk with God is real and pure. Uh, and we need to get to the place where we just uh, don't want to get things from God, but that we actually want God himself. Uh, you know, have you ever noticed in the Bible, it talks a lot about just desiring God, like not desiring peace from God or this from God or that from God. It's just desiring God himself. If you turn to Isaiah 26, this is one of my favorite verses. Uh, if you keep your finger on Psalm 63, of course. Isaiah 26 and verse 8. So the Bible talks a lot about just desiring the person of God himself. And that's what spiritual satisfaction is all about. Um, <clears throat> uh, so Isaiah 26 and verse 8 uh, says this, Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. 
With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. So I see how many times the Bible uses the word thee in that verse. It's just all about the desire of the soul of a Christian desires God, God himself, just God. So these words sound quite foreign, you know, to us modern Christians. We're always looking for stuff from God, you know, but we rarely look for God himself. But the saints of all were far more aware of God's majesty or God's loveliness and God's, you know, wonderful excellence. Um, and, you know, the books, if you want to find out more about, like, God's greatness, God's glory and God's, uh, you know, loveliness, I suppose, you could meditate on the books, you know, Psalms and uh, Job and, you know, books like that, you know, just declare his, his greatness. Um, so, and they had, the saints of all had a much more intense desire to seek God before anything else. So most of the time, you know, we don't really have an intense desire for God. You know, I find this even in my, my own life. Instead of God, we desire pleasure. Or instead of God, we have an intense desire for comfort. Or instead of spending time with God, we go looking for joy. Instead of God, we desire love. Or instead of God, we desire security. Or instead of spending time with God, we're looking for wonder or awe in the world somewhere. But do we ever stop to think, you know, who is the creator of all those things that we actually seek? Who is the source of all these beautiful things that we seek in our lives? You know, pleasure, comfort, joy, or enjoyment, love, uh, security, wonder. You know, who is the source of everything in this world that takes our breath away? You know, it's God himself is the creator of all those things. So, you know, reasonably, if you think about it, if God is the source of all these beautiful things, then surely the fullness of all these things is found in God himself. So to say things like, I don't want God, uh, I want joy, is the equivalent of saying, I don't want this beautiful, fresh, uh, you know, sweet cake, I just want a crumb from it. You know what I mean? If you enjoy the crumb from the cake, you'll probably enjoy the cake a lot more. And if you like joy, then you'll enjoy walking with God a lot more. So instead of God, we seek joy and pleasure, not believing what the Bible says in Psalm 16.11, uh, thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So it's either true or it isn't. So instead of God we desire comfort, not trusting what the Bible says. In places like Second Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So instead of God we seek for wonder or adventure in life. Forgetting what the Bible says in Psalms 145, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So his greatness is greater than anything you can search for in this world. So um, so if God is the source of all the delights offered to us in life, why should we doubt that perfect delight is found in the source of all, delight, all, all delights, uh, which is God himself? Um, <clears throat> so let's read Psalm 63, if you want to flip back there again. Psalm 63, verse 1 again. Don't worry, we're going to start making progress down the psalm there in a few minutes. Psalm 63, verse 1. Um, so he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And I also think this dry and thirsty land where you'd have to search long and hard for water is kind of like uh, the earth here where we live, inhabited by fallen man. You know, it's thirsty for God's justice and it's lacking God's wonders and signs. Um, and God needs to be longed after and sought diligently before he manifests himself. 
So what's David specifically thirsting after uh, when he's thirsting after God? So verse 2 gives us the answer. Uh, so what's he actually searching for uh, diligently or seeking diligently, specifically? So he says in verse 2, To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So David's thirsting after uh, primarily two things, God's power and God's glory. Um, and the verb to see is an experiential verb. Uh, David, David wants to see these things in his own life, you know, not just read about them in, in the books of Genesis or Exodus and Leviticus. He wanted to see these things uh, manifest themselves in his own life, God's power and God's glory. So, you know, he, he probably witnessed God's power on special days in the sanctuary, uh, talking about like the temple, um, and, you know, quiet times alone with God, but now he's far from the temple, and he wants to experience the same power in his own walk. So God's power. Uh, a lot of the time we're content with our own power, you know. Oftentimes we're trying to get people to follow Christ, and we're trying to make them stop this evil, you know, stop aborting babies and stop gay marriage, but we're, 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 a lot of the time we're trying to do it with our power. You know, I find that, like, if I'm at work, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, like, having a debate about some moral issue, you know, like, I can't really get anywhere because people are just like, ah, whatever, Barry, you know. Uh, and uh, I've long discovered that my power couldn't really shake a leaf. Uh, I remember one time I was soul winning in Cork City and uh, I, was, I met this guy and he was like, you know, polite enough to give me like three minutes to like explain the whole gospel without talking. <laughs> he, did, he Like he didn't talk at all and I just like explained the whole gospel. And like at that point where I where he should, you know, biblically, like, break down in tears and in repentance. He'd just like, thanks, good luck. You know, and it was just like, that's just a moment where you realize the power of God is not there, you know. Uh, <clears throat> so, and I think only when we get to the place where we're fed up with that and really thirsty for God's power will he manifest himself and make his power known. So God's glory is another thing that David wants to see. He thirsts for God's glory. Uh, just like Moses uh, begged God, if you remember, uh, you know, back in, uh, I'm not sure what book it's in, probably the book of Numbers, I think he begged God to show him his glory. Uh, and it was uh, Exodus, was it? Exodus 32, right? So he begged God to, to, to show him his glory, and that got him through like some real troublesome times. He was really frustrated at that time of, during his ministry. But just a glimpse of God's glory that day, you know, that really spurred him on to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land, or at least close to it. So, and a glimpse of God's majesty when we seek after him will cause any discouragements in our life to flee away. And so I, I just have a quote from the diary of David Brainerd, an American missionary back in the, I think it was the 1700s, about his own personal experience of God's glory, you know, after he was seeking after God a lot. So he says this, Having been thus endeavored, endeavoring to pray, though, as I thought, very stupid and senseless for near half an hour, then, as I was walking in a dark, thick grove, unspeakable glory seemed to open to the view and apprehension of my soul. I do not mean any external brightness, for I saw no such thing, nor do I intend any imagination of a body of light somewhere in the third heavens, or anything of that nature. But it was a new inward apprehension or view that I had of God, such as I never had before, nor anything which had the least resemblance of it. I stood still and wondered and admired. <clears throat> I knew that I had never seen any. Uh, seen before anything comparable to it for excellency and beauty. It was widely different from all the conceptions that ever I had of God or things divine. I had no particular apprehension of any one person in the Trinity, either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost, but it appeared to be divine glory. My soul rejoiced with joy unspeakable to see such a God, 
such a glorious divine being, and I was inwardly pleased and satisfied that he should be God over all, forever and ever. My soul was so captivated and delighted with the excellency, loveliness, greatness, and other perfections of God, that I was even swallowed up in him, at, at least to that degree, that I had no thought, as I remember at first, about my own salvation, and scarce reflected there was such a creature as myself. So he was so swallowed up in God's glory during this time of seeking him, that he couldn't even... Uh, you know, he basically forgot forgot that he even existed as himself. So, and if we only we could tell of similar experiences in our walk walk with God, we'd be well on the way to spiritual satisfaction. I think, just like the t- the hymn says, "Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strange, grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace." So that's step two: desire God. So three steps of spiritual satisfaction. Step one: seek God. Step two, desire God. And step three, live in God's loving kindness. So maybe we're sometimes afraid to seek God and we're afraid to desire God because uh, we're just trying to you know, live our lives to the max and tack on the two-minute prayer you know, at the start of every day. And we're just trying to get in so much before we all, you know, before we all die. Um, <clears throat> but look at what the Bible says here in Psalm 63, uh, verse 3. David says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Uh, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So what the Bible says about the depth of what we can experience while walking with God keeps on getting more and more radical. Uh, so David even says here, thy loving kindness is better than life. So, and you know, David here was speaking from experience. You know, he wasn't just repeating what somebody else told him. Uh, he wasn't just exaggerating, you know, God's loving kindness. He actually literally knew from experience that God's loving kindness was better than life. So here's a man that lived life, you know, he lived an exciting life and a pleasant life at times, you know. David was a king. So he lived a life full of achievements as well, you know, like reigning over Israel, conquering enemies, slaying giants, outliving, you know, other kings, etc. He lived a life full of loyal friends and many wives, and he had a life full of children and grandchildren. Uh, And yet, he says, what's better than all that, and the only thing that satisfies him in the end, is God's loving kindness. So step three, live in God's loving kindness. Well, you might say, you know, we're always in God's love. You know, God loves us, doesn't he? God always loves us. Uh, You know, what do you mean, live in God's loving kindness? But I think uh, David is talking about actually experiencing God's love personally here, as he seeks him in deep devotional prayer. I think that's what he's talking about. So listen to what he says in a Psalm, if you turn to Psalm 143, verse 8, actually. Psalm 143, verse 8. So living in God's <coughs> loving kindness, like David's talking about here, I don't think is just having an intellectual knowledge that God loves you. I think it's something deeper than that. Uh, <clears throat> this is what he says in Psalms 143, verse 8. Um, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for indeed do I trust. Cause me to know the way, the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. So cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. So it's something that he's ex- actually experiencing. It's something that he's you know, sensing. Um, so he's talking about uh, hearing God's love, I believe, in the inward man. So Samuel Rutherford, a Scottish preacher back in the 1600s, says this about his own prayer life. 
<coughs> and ex- encouraging others. He says this, I urge upon you communion with Christ, a growing communion. <clears throat> there are curtains to be drawn aside in Christ that we never saw, and new foldings of love in him. I despair that I shall ever win to the far end of that love. There are so many plies in it. Therefore dig deep and sweat and labor and take pains for him and set by as much time in the day for him as you can. We will be one in the labor. So he's talking about finding out more more things, more, you know, experiencing more of the love of Christ the more he walks with him, the more he walks with God. <clears throat> and it also ties him with Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. If you want to turn to Ephesians 3. <clears throat> Keep your finger in Psalm 63. Ephesians 3 verse 18 oh sorry um, so so let's start in verse 14 and then we'll skip to verse 19 so he says for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and in verse 19, uh, oh, sorry, uh, that doesn't make sense. I'll just read the whole thing. So 14 to 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and the earth is named, that he would grant you, according to riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So I just wanted to point out that verse 19 there, and to know the love of Christ. So the Ephesian Christians knew that God loved them, they knew Christ loved them enough to die for them, right? But he said he, his prayer was for them to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. So you can never get to the complete knowledge of Christ, of the love of Christ in his life but to keep on knowing it and knowing more and more, knowing it more and more and actually experiencing it. So that's what he's talking about. So that's what David's talking about, God's loving kindness, I believe here. You know, it's, it's not like uh, intellectually knowing God loves us, but actually experiencing God's love, you know, in a devotional way, in a deep way. And I think we can only get to that place of knowing his love like David did when we first seek God and when we secondly desire God. And the result will be filled with all the fullness of God and being spiritually satisfied, as Paul put it here. So let's finish off um, Psalm 63. Well, I'm going to go down to verse 6. <clears throat> let's read the rest of it. And we'll finish off there. Psalm 63. Um, and we're going to read down to verse 6. So he says uh, in verse 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. So then it's at this point, he says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. So that's you know, how to get spiritually satisfied. Uh, so by way of conclusion... So I think the Bible here in Psalm 63 gives us the perfect answer to the condition of a stale Christianity or when it just becomes just a routine. We're not to let uh, the Christian life just become a joyless routine. And the answer is found in exploring and seeking after the person of God himself. Uh, And I think we can see three 
steps here in the psalm, as I mentioned. Number one, seek God. Step two, desire God. And step three, live in God's loving kindness. And if we live by these, then we can uh, say, as David did in Psalm 63, verse 5, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. So that's my message, and I'm just going to pray to finish off. <clears throat> Lord, um, God, thank you for this psalm. Lord, thank you for your word. I just pray, Lord, that um, God, in all the distractions and um, the madness of this life, Lord, that you put the desire in us, God, to, uh, for you. Um, Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, just to just to believe, God, that our walk with you could be as special as David's walk. Lord, that uh, we could know and say, Lord, at the end of our lives, Lord, that your loving kindness is better than life and that we could experience um, just your glory and your presence, God, in our own walk, just through a pure walk, Lord, through a diligent seeking and through a diligent desiring after after you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.